Dubomatic with the dub Come, come, fin, ice up your dance all and ice up your club Flinging down some sweet rubber dub Easy squeezy makes no riot yeah, This my sound and we bury that My sound is the cream of the crap Dubmatic Yeah, Dubmatic The original sound Fredrin Dubmatic's live and direct in a place called Toronto, Canada Dubmatic Rancho Calling, calling, Dubmatic Toronto, Canada You come out Big up, big up, big up, Dubmatic Welcome back to another edition of The Basement Sessions. I'm your host, Dub Maddox, here with you for the next hour. On this week's show, I'm going to be looking at the Wacky's record label, headed by frontman Lloyd Barnes, a.k.a. Bull Wacky. Wacky's has a firm base in the evolution and spread of reggae across North America, but it's been mainly an underground name and label with the reggae cognizanti being more the ones in the know. But the artists who recorded for the label in the Bronx on White Plains Road are some of the titans of the genre, including Sugar Banat, Linville Thompson, Leroy Sibbles, as well as many New York City and U.S. natives such as Lovejoys, Junior Delhi, Jock Cuddy, and more. His record shop, Wacky's House of Music, also played an integral role in the development of his label and as a meeting place for artists to gather. Wacky's has made almost 90 albums throughout the 70s and 80s and has left a legacy for generations to come. But before we go more into the Wacky's highlight reel, let's look a little bit into his past. Now, in every reggae scene across the world, there's always the one person or two people or a little group of people that help ignite a movement. And in New York City, Lloyd Barnes was one of them and a very important factor in that. So if you look at Jamaica before reggae and ska, you had Mento, you had R&B coming in, you had country music, you had jazz and all those things combined to form ska, then to Roxetti, to Roots and on and on. In New York, hip hop found its genesis in the Bronx with Cool Herc, also a Jamaican transplant and subgenres that came out of that, such as jungle, dubstep, trip hop, etc. All of these come back to Jamaica and then spread across the world and each person in those areas or or groups of people develop it and refine it in a new way and fashion it up to reflect the sound and style that's going on in their community. And Lloyd Barnes is one of those people that did that in New York City. And that's what's fascinating to look at. But what I want to do is to give you a little bit of background about Lloyd Barnes just quickly before we start playing some music to help put it in context. So Barnes was originally a protege of Prince Buster, and we all know who Prince Buster is. He recorded several singles during the 60s, as well as working for Duke Reed's Treasure Island label. And as I've said on previous shows, Really, you had Coxon, Studio One, and you had Duke Reed. Those were the dominant guys in the 60s. And if you weren't with one of them, you were probably struggling. Now, his singles didn't go that well. They didn't really produce much. And before jumping into the rest of it, I thought I would give you a taste of Bullwacky singing. Now, this wasn't something that was easy to find because he didn't go under Bullwacky. He went under Kingston Joe. So here's Time Is My Friend right here in the Basement Sessions from 1964, a.k.a. Kingston Joe Bullwacky, a.k.a. Lloyd Barnes. Have a listen. Time is on my friend, I don't know why. It must be caused from sin that's gone so long ago. It must be caused from parents gone. Just a nearby friend Time is on my friend I don't know why You got 
as Kingston Joe singing Time is My Friend from 1964, a Prince Buster production. So now with his career essentially over as a singer, he's not really even that interested in it. He's more interested in the music side, the studio, and creation. And at the same time, Ska's giving away to rock steady. And during that time, his family moves to Harlem in 1967 before finally settling down in the Bronx. And while he was in the Bronx, what do you bring there? You bring your culture with you. And part of that culture is sound system culture. So him and his crew start a new sound system called Bullwacky's Disco, which was named after the street gang he was loosely affiliated with in Trenchtown. And he took the moniker Bullwacky because he used to run with a gang called The Bullwackies. As stated in an interview appearing on ReggaeVibes.com, the name, his, as his words say, the name Wacky really come from cocky. It was like saying cocky boys. So Wacky and his crew would ride the subways with their sound system to play around, but they eventually gave it up due to the violence. And he says this, I play a dance where I had to pick out bullets from the speakers. After that, I decided to give it up. So now you've done the sound system thing, you're in the Bronx, what else do you do? Well, in his case, he starts a studio. It's small, it's humble, but it's the start. And his first recording studio was a four-track facility opened up in the damp basement at 211th Street in New York. His early productions would take some of Lee Perry's older, less used tracks and overdub and remix them. And one of those is this track by an artist called Javil. The song is called The Bump from 1974. Pretty much this is about the only two minutes ever recorded by Javil. I did some hunting around and there's pretty much zero information other than an obscure reference that this is probably the only song he ever recorded. Now, this also appeared on the Aries label, which was a sub-label of Wackies that he had in conjunction with Munchie Jackson, a partner and somebody he would work with extensively over the years. So let's have a listen to Javil the Bump from 1974. Here comes Thunder River Sounds. Sounds to let the rock and roll. Like you never did before. Sounds to let the swing and sway. Each and every day. Hear me tell you, sir. To the bomb, to the bomb. 
song ever recorded by Javil, whose information and background we've sadly lost to time, and a song called The Bump from 1974 on the Wackies, but aka his sub-label, Aries label. Now, moving on, we've got Johnny Osborne. Now, he's still pulling tracks from Jamaica, and this song's called Jaw Children. It's produced by him, but it's 1974 as well. I mean, we're just kind of in that nascent build where he's learning, he's developing, he's getting his feet wet, because it's really the latter years where he hits his full stride. We'll get to that after this. But let's take a listen to Johnny Osborne, Jaw Children from 1974. Oh, just to my way, yeah. 
Johnny Osborne with Jaw Children from 1974. This next artist in this release specifically is done much like they did with Johnny Osborne, where they license the original from Jamaica and then they bring it back. And on the B side, they put a Bullwacky's All Star version. So on that's again on the Aries label with his partner Munchie. This is a Little Roy in a song called Tribal War, which is very popular again in 1974. And an interesting fact is that he got that moniker, Little Roy from Prince Buster, which we talked about at the beginning of the show because, of course, Bullwacky recorded as Kingston Joe, for whom? Prince Buster. So let's take a listen to Tribal War, Little Roy, 1974, and our look at the Wacky's label right here in the Basement Sessions.
Roy tribal war in 1974. And for all intent purposes, really, Lloyd Barnes couldn't have been better time to be in New York City and working on reggae and building his studio as well as his record shop because he's he's the main guy. He's one of the main guys, I should say, but he's got the core record shop there and everybody's coming down. He's got access to artists because Linville Thompson had moved there to be with his mother. Glenn Adams, the keyboardist from the Upsetters and Whalers band, came over there to set up and license tracks and release them from Jamaica on his Capitol Records. Philip Smart was there, Leroy Sibbles passed through, Johnny Osborne, Wink Jarrett, and a whole host of others. And at that time, anything that wasn't from Jamaica was kind of frowned upon. He didn't think it could have the same impact. It wasn't as good because it wasn't original. It wasn't authentic. But what happened is over time, Jamaicans would come to work at his studio because he had a certain sound and a certain style. And as we're moving on, I'm going to play another track. This is kind of similar to the Little Roy and the Johnny Osborne Ken Booth. This from 1975. And again, on the B side, it's the Bullwackies All-Stars version. So we're right at the tail end of where he starts switching into full wackies. But let's take a listen to this right now. Basement Sessions. Stop This World 1975, the version on the other side, of course, is the Bullwackies All-Stars, and it's called Dub World, and that's on the Aries label. Now I'm going to play the next track, which is Ross Clifton, Look Over Yonder. It was originally recorded in 1975 as a 7-inch, but in 1982, they did an updated mix, and that's the one I'm going to play because it really starts, well, it doesn't start to, it is the Bullwackies style and sound. So let's have a listen right now to Ross Clifton, Look Over Yonder, 1975, but it's the 82 version. Thank you. 
Clifton, Look Over Yonder from 1982, the updated mix, originally released as a 7-inch in 1975. Now, at this point, I want to talk about the wacky sound, because it's one of those sounds when you hear it, you know it. It's unique, it's distinctive to the ear, and it captures your imagination in a way that quite a few productions just don't, because they might sound very much like everything else, or just generic, or whatever. And it's those productions that are done in such a way that are unique that stand the test of time. Listen to Lee Perry, King Tubby, Marley, Burning Spear, Culture, and on and on. There's something about each one of those recordings and styles and production that made it stand out. Same with the Wackies label. A lot of it is that, you know, he's talked about that Lee Perry and the Black Ark was an influence, and of course he was using old Lee Perry albums to redub and remix and work with in the early 70s. But he's also stated that he thought King Tubby was a genius and loved the way he mixed. So. I'm kind of looking at this going, when you listen to it, it definitely sounds more like Lee Perry style, but maybe with a King Tubby melodic mindset. And to kind of just show you what I mean, demonstrate that so you can hear it, this is a track called Mango Walk from 1979 by the Chosen Brothers. And I think it's an exceptional demonstration of the Wacky's overall sound of production that we've all come to know and love. So once you've had a listen to it, think about it. Does it sound like a Lee Perry, King Tubby, or both? Check it out.
What a track. Chosen Brothers Mango Walk from 1979, and that has all the hallmarks of a Wacky's release. And what I wanted to talk about is kind of how did he get that sound? And we've said that it's distinctive and it's unique, but what makes it that way? What are the elements and what's the gear? What's the recording process? What is it about these songs that make them sound the way they do? Well, there's a few things. A, it's the producer and how you put it all together. Second, it's going to be the gear and musicians that you use. And third, it's going to be the studio itself. And in this case, one of the things that he did to help make a distinctive and unique sound was the drum booth treatment. And in that drum booth, he not only put the special padding to kind of help dry the sound and like alleviate reverb sounds and decays that were too much, he also added aluminum foil all over to help reflect the sound, which is kind of a dichotomy. You've got on one hand, you're trying to dampen the sound, and on the other, you're having a reflective sound. So, but the two combined make for a very distinct and unique style of sound. The other thing that he did was the bass. The bass was never EQ'd, and it also went directly into the mixing board. Normally, on a lot of cases, you would do a combination where you would actually plug the bass in and also mic a bass amp so you could capture two different types of sound for the bass, one from the amp, one from the mixing board. And sometimes you would just mic an amp. In this case, he said, now we don't need to mic that. We're going to go directly into that. And also on the bass, he would add some echo and delay to it, which was not that usual at the time. And those are a couple treatments that he made to the studio and the way he recorded to give his sound a unique and distinctive one. Now you have a little inside knowledge. Let's have a listen to Sometime Girl by Sugar My Not from 1980 and the Wackies label, Basement Sessions, Dubmatics. Mm-hmm, well, you're a sometime girl. I'm 
from 1980 in a track called Sometime Girl. And another interesting fact is that the Ampex tape machine that he used, that's probably the 8-track that actually recorded all the music, and that's where you'd put it, edit it, and mix it, that was donated to the Les Paul Museum. Who's Les Paul? Well, Les Paul was the originator of the Les Paul Gibson guitar that you've seen Slash and many others play. He was also an incredible guitarist with a slew of decades of albums and releases and performances on radio and TV and collaborations with his wife, Mary. But one of the incredible achievements and how it relates to Wackies and pretty much every other style of music that's ever been recorded since him is that he invented the multi-track recording machine, which basically means you no longer have to record on one single track. Imagine having to record your entire band on one channel. That's it. You can't edit it. You can't mix it. You can't do anything. Whatever goes on that track, that's it. Les Paul changed all that. He invented the multi-track in 1951. By the end of the 50s, he created an eight-track. Let me put this into perspective for you. This is the end of the 50s. He's got an eight-track. Fast forward to 1966, the Beatles were recording what would become probably the most iconic albums of all time, Sgt. Pepper's. They recorded on a four track, seven or eight years later. That's the difference. And how this ties into Bullwacky is that his eight track Ampex machine ended up in Les Paul's museum. How did that happen? Well, Bullwacky got one of the first samplers. And unless Paul having such a curiosity for technology and where it was going, came by and checked it out. And the two met, and so the rest is history, as they say. But talking about samplers, samplers and hip-hop are synonymous. And this leads into the next song that I'm going to play. And what's interesting about this is, you know Wackies for dub and reggae. But what you might not know is that he jumped into the hip-hop game for all of about maybe one track. This one. This is 1979 and a song called Wack Rap. It's by Solid C, Bobby D, and Cool Drop. And it totally makes sense. Bronx, New York, hip-hop's coming up, African Babata, Grandmaster Flash, Sugar Hill Gang, Wackies. He's had sound systems, there's block parties, there's sound systems still going, there's dances, there's clubs. I mean, it's all coming together, and it only made sense that he would want to get involved in some way, shape, or form. Let's have a listen to Wack Rap from 1979, right here on the Basement Sessions with Dub Maddox and our look at Wackies. And I see you now listening to the dynamic supersonic soul Throw down sounds of the jazzy BMC And listen to the tip of the top You rock to the man they call Cool job, shock the house And then you look for the man with the A1 in history He rocks by the name of Bobby D, shock the house And then if you want the best for all the ladies You check out the man they call Solid C, shock the house And with the jazzy BMC the way we blow your mind because we're coming at you hard just one more time because we're here to rock we won't come on down because we are the best mcs in town and when we start to rock we just don't stop because we are the cool way in the rock let's go to work young ladies let's go to work young ladies we push your hum a ding and then you hum a dung and then you hum a ding a dang you all want some little mind blowing the disco show is the mcs of the world and we'll take your mind and we'll give it the twirl and then get all the fire young girls Solid C, if you're on time, you just get on the mic when you're ready to rhyme. And I'm ready to rhyme, it's about that time. Having all the females yelling, a beat mine, look, let me to a line, my line to a limit. Uh, we are the crew with all the young women, look, uh, I could do a peach over a cherry to a plum. Uh, we are a number one, so uh, you kick off your shoes, relax your feet, and let's freak to 
funky beat to the funky beat to the funky beat. So let's rock to the non-stop. I said to at my door, I heard the knocking, I heard the key just open. The lock is sitting right there, I'm cooling out with a mic in my hand and a voice in my mouth. Then came a girl and she gave me a fat and you know what happened and it wasn't the last of all on time, I just turn on the mic when you're ready to rhyme. And it's about that time, I'm ready to rhyme. I'm gonna give you a little taste to shock your mind. I tell you about the time I became an MC. I took 5B and I added a D. I added a D cause I was taking a risk because I do know MC can deal with this. I said I took my name, I locked it up tight. The sucker MCs can try not to bite like this, y'all. And don't you dare stop, keep on till I rock the shoe and shine. I said I rock my rhymes, it's so nice and treasure. So sucker MCs will bite you, can bet. That's a poor example of a sucker MC. Who write my lines and repeat after me I said they don't have rhymes of their own And all I ask is just leave me alone When I rock the rhymes and they get the credit If you're gonna bite you might as well forget it Like a 369, a 963 You want the best There you go, that's Whack Rap from Solid C, Bobby D And Cool Drop And it's credited to the Wacky's Disco Rock Band And it's very indicative of the times and the sound and style So it's very cool to hear and I hope you enjoyed that one The next artist I'm gonna play is Keith Hudson This is from 1981 and a song called I Can't Do Without You. Now, it's a great track on its own, but what is really distinctive, and it's very unlike the tracks we've already heard, is the drums. See if you recognize the style of the drummer on this one, and guess his name. You'll know it. You might not recognize it right now, but when I tell you, you'll hear it. Check it out, Keith Hudson, right here in the Basement Sessions. I can't do without you now that is such a wacky sound it's dubbed up it's delayed it's got that it's got all those elements that make wackies wackies what stands out is the drums it doesn't sound like any of the other drummers you've heard so far on this show and that's because it isn't now if you heard it and you said I know who this is I just can't place his name that's because it's Carlton Barrett 
and he was the drummer for the Whalers. And what gives it away is two distinct things. The drum sound, that crack, that very ringy, hollow crack, and the hi-hat pattern. That is very much on so many Marley songs that you know it instinctively. Even if you don't know it, you know it. The tie-in is growing up, and the tie-in is growing up, Keith Hudson went to school with Bob Marley, Delroy Wilson, Ken Booth, and the Barrett Brothers. So there you go. Little interesting facts. The next, a little piece of trivia for you. And you know I love trivia like this. So the next artist I'm, the next artist I'm going to play is Junior Delahaye. Now you've already heard him as part of the Chosen Brothers. Well, this is him on his own. And oddly enough, full circle is this is one of those albums I found in a used bin and a secondhand shop. And I saw the cover and it's, it's not the fancy, but I said, ah, let me check it out. This looks interesting. And it's one of those albums that you got lucky on. You put it on, you went, this is a great find. So let's take a listen to Love from 1982, Junior Delahaye, right now, Basement Sessions.
with the dub version. You're listening to the Basement Sessions with Dub Maddox and our look at the Wackies label. The next track I want to play, I got two left here. This one is the Lovejoys and a just killer song called Jaw Light from 1981. And the Lovejoys are cousins Sonia and Claudette Brown from Brixton, England, who came over to New York to work on their albums. And I think they did two or three overall, but it's one of their songs that's my personal favorite. So let's have a listen to Jaw Light from 1981, Lovejoys, Basement Sessions.
Jaw Light, and some of the musicians on those tracks include Ja T, Clive Hunt, Rolando Alfonso, Ja Scotty on drums, and Roy Basie from the Wackies Rhythm Force. Now, this next track, you all know it. It's one of the most probably popular songs coming off the Wackies catalog from 1982, and it's Horace Andy's Money, Money. Let's have a listen.
Money, money from Horace Andy in 1982. Well, I hope you enjoyed this edition of the show. It's a big challenge to condense Bullwacky's legacy into a one-hour program, seeing that it spans decades. And really, there's so, I mean, when you've got almost 90 releases, plus what he did outside of the 80s, because once the digital era hit, it's when he went somewhere else wasn't his thing and he's worked with Japanese roots artists he's worked with uh, Sugar Manat's label uh, youth label in Jamaica and then in 1998 Forced Exposure a label out of Germany came in and basically licensed and has been reprinting his releases ever since helping to sustain elevate and create awareness for his legacy and his music which is fantastic so I hope you enjoyed the show I'll be back again next week take care Now wait it down and sell the people about your musical names from new ways. Move out right now. Where Move out right now. Oh yes. Hey. In farmer in the area. Do it, John. In farmer in the area. I tell him about this. Jamana na manna that's a murder 